and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang. So glad to have you with us. And I'd like to welcome all you new listeners out there. Thanks for taking the time to check us out. Okay, we have another fun show for you. My guest today began her tango career in Portland, Oregon. She has danced and taught all over the world and spent two years living and breathing tango in Buenos Aires. Now based in San Francisco, she continues to teach and organize events. A highly versatile follower and leader, today's guest is known for instructing her students how to connect with the music and adapt to a variety of social tango styles. And with me now is Jennifer Olson. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. All right, just to jump right into things. So how did you fall in love with tango? <laughs> Start with the hard question. <laughs> <laughs> my story is actually, a, it's like a tango story. All um, right. Tango, my first tango lesson was actually a first date with mm. a guy that then became my boyfriend. Okay. And it was kind of like our, our thing that we did together. I wasn't in love with it yet because I think it's hard to fall in love with tango immediately mm -hmm. i think it takes a little bit of time to see the depth that it has oh, and yeah. so it was just something that we were doing together as a couple mm -hmm. and um we actually ended up stopping for a while mm -hmm. <laughs> because of jealousy issues okay. i was 18 at the time and he was like 22 okay so we didn't really know how to handle um dancing with other people mm -hmm. so in the beginning i would dance with other people and he then he was upset that i wasn't dancing with him oh. so then i would dance with him and then he was upset that we weren't improving <laughs> because <laughs> oh, if you're goodness. only dancing with your partner, mm -hmm. you don't improve that much. Mm -hmm. So then I started dancing with other people again. <laughs> and then he got frustrated that I was improving faster than him because followers oh. generally have like a faster trajectory in the beginning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we stopped dancing tango, actually, just because I think it was kind of a challenging thing to do as a young couple. Mm -hmm. um, and we didn't really have the skills to talk through that at that time. Mm -hmm. And he actually ended up passing away. Oh. And uh, when he passed away, that's when it was like my therapy. So I started okay. dancing every single day, like wow. eight hours a day. And actually, he he I broke up with him and he committed suicide. So that's why oh, I was my like, goodness. my story was really a tango story. Gosh, it's like it's a tango like movie. Oh exactly. <laughs> um, so it was really like therapeutic for me. And mm. that's when I really fell in love with tango. And it really became a part of my life. And and like, you know, the rest is history now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow, that's a that's, that's quite a story, Jennifer. Wow. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah. So as you started getting more into tango, eventually you made the leap into teaching, which is not something that most people do. So how did how did you start teaching? Can you describe that journey? Sure. Uh, it was pretty organic. As mm -hmm. I mentioned, I was dancing tango every day for like eight hours. And at that time, I was living in Portland, Oregon. Mm. And uh, Alex Krebs was my teacher. Oh, nice. And he had like a all levels class for a while. And I just inevitably because I came every single time to it mm -hmm. and I was a little bit better than the other people that were there just because it tended to attract um, more beginner dancers. Okay. But I thought that the all level stuff was really what was important. So even mm -hmm. as like an intermediate dancer, I wanted to come to the all levels classes. And Alex was going through a breakup of his own at mm -hmm. that moment. So he asked me to assist him. 
And that then turned into assisting him (laughs) Mm -hmm. with his regular classes because the all levels classes turned turned into like a beginning, intermediate and advanced class. Mm -hmm. And then he was traveling around the United States teaching tango. And Mm -hmm. I was like, hey, do you want me to come to that festival and help you? And he was like, sure. Nice. So I would (laughs) uh, the very first tango festival I ever went to outside of Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And it was my second tango festival, period. Okay. I drove from Portland, Oregon to Denver, Colorado. Wow. And I assisted him. (laughs) Wow. So it was um, kind of me like making it happen and Mm -hmm. and with him asking me to assist him. Nice. Nice. Very proactive. I like that. So was there a moment when you knew you wanted to do tango for for a living? I mean, I'm a very uh, ambitious individual. (laughs) (laughs) When I like something, I want to challenge myself to like push myself to see how, how far I can go. Yeah. So I don't know if there was a specific moment where I was like, hey, tango sounds like a really cool thing, but mm-hmm. it was the thing that I was enjoying doing, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see how far I could possibly go. And, and of course, you always look at professionals, you know, that are, that are your, you know, that you hold up on a pedestal, and you, mm-hmm. you think that what they're doing is amazing, so of course you want to do that too. Yeah. And like, if only I were good enough. So I think <laughs> that it was my ambition that took me there. Nice. Nice. So I want to talk a little bit about turning points in in learning. So was there any really good or memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers that contributed to major turning points in your learning? I think that um, I was really lucky to start Tango in Portland, Oregon in Mm -hmm. general, um, because all the teachers there really encouraged the fundamentals Mm -hmm. and connection uh, and musicality. And I don't see that. I mean, sure, of course, people talk about it other places, but it's like all the teachers aren't afraid to have their students go to other teachers in Mm -hmm. Portland, Oregon. So that really fosters this great environment for uh, a tango dancer to learn in. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're all kind of encouraging the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter as much what it looks like. It matters more what it feels like. And it matters Mm -hmm. more your connection and your musicality with your partner and to the Mm -hmm. music. Um, So I think that was the thing that was instilled the most in me from the very beginning Mm -hmm. that I feel lucky to have had that I don't know if other people Mm -hmm. have that so instilled in them as much. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a, uh, I guess kind of like a mind blowing moment when something just suddenly made sense, like with a particular technique or a step? I mean, I remember uh, feeling like open embrace and close embrace were mm-hmm. two distinctly different dances. Mm. Uh, when I first started dancing both of them, uh-huh. it felt like I had to learn how to do the cross and open embrace and mm-hmm. also learn how to do the cross and close embrace. Mm. And so I remember like feeling like, oh, they all feel the same to me at one point. Mm. And I also remember feeling like I would, I would travel a lot to dance tango in the beginning at these mm-hmm. festivals that I was going to assist Alex with. Mm-hmm. So I was dancing with all these different leaders. And I remember, like I just mentioned with open versus close embrace, mm-hmm. I remember, again, each person felt so distinctly different. Mm-hmm. And like each individual leads for the cross, for example, yeah. felt so different. And I had to like interpret it. And then I remember at one point where it was like so obvious, like I could mm. cut through all the extra noise mm-hmm. that each individual leader had and just get to the, like the meat of it, oh. what was the essence of the cross. Mm-hmm. So those two things I think were like the both aha moments that mm. I had. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I like what you said about 
cutting through the noise and just yeah mm-hmm. like the, the essence of it yeah yeah yes. a lot of us you know when we follow we get a little caught up in the wrong details it seems Yes, yes. Well, it's really difficult to filter all that out when you're learning yourself. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) but eventually I think, you know, you have that aha moment and Mm. then it's just very clear, (laughs) regardless of the level of the leader, you can feel what they're intending you to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jennifer, you also do a, uh, a lot of leading as well. So how did you, what got you interested in learning how to lead or was it that, was that another organic uh, development? It was an organic development from teaching because mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know how you can teach very well if you don't have right. like some kind of understanding of both roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never say that I love leading as much as I do following. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have a lot of work to do on, on well, both roles, but especially leading. Um, I've never been as comfortable um, with leading as I am following. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm an advanced dancer with following. I'm probably like an intermediate leader, if okay. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it was teaching that really helped motivate me with that. And there have been moments where I've been like really excited about leading. Mm-hmm. I remember going to Chicago and I don't tell anyone. Of course, I'm on a podcast, so of course everyone's going to know. I didn't really have any leaders I really especially wanted to follow, mm-hmm. so I was like, I'll lead. And then I had like a line of women that wanted me to lead them, so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Just just don't name the venue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't remember. Okay. I have a terrible memory. No, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, so shifting gears a little bit to your experience as a teacher, so often we, we encounter novices who are loving tango, they're getting into it, but they also have a lot of negative thoughts floating through their heads. Things like, you know, I'm afraid of making mistakes, I'm afraid of not having a good dance, I'm afraid my partner will dislike me. So as a teacher, Jennifer, how do you address some of those concerns? I mean, those concerns are very natural. Mm-hmm. I had them every advanced dancer, every teacher, every single dancer has had those thoughts at one point or another. I think I was kind of lucky in that I started pretty young. So I was kind Mm -hmm. of naive and ignorant (laughs) of that to some extent. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I love tango. I want to dance. Of course you want to dance with me. Now that I'm older, (laughs) I'm like, oh, not everyone wants to dance with everyone all the time. And that's okay. I, I mean, it's just like real life and relationships. Of course, rejection is hard. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, getting comfortable in that actually empowers you as a person and, and is like a more advanced uh, concept. Mm-hmm. So it's like work on yourself to be comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. And also to realize that probably it's mainly in your head. And mm-hmm. if it's not in your head, use that as fodder to get better. Um, yeah. He's an encouragement, <laughs> mm-hmm. and be like, the next time I ask her, I'll be, you know, really good, so she won't want to say no. Of mm-hmm. course, let some time go between. Don't do that every week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that might be too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are what are some good ways for advanced students to help beginner students, sort of as a way of fostering the the community? Well, I think encouraging beginners to get out there, uh, again, and I always hearken back to Portland because, again, I think mm-hmm. I grew up 
tango wise and a really great community mm-hmm. i felt like they really encouraged dancers of all level- levels to go out to the malongas mm-hmm. um whereas i'm now in the san francisco community and i feel like a lot of beginners are are scared mm. to go out to um the malongas uh, there are some malongas that are probably are less scary and mm-hmm. they're more welcomed at but i think it's just good to go and, and realize that maybe you won't dance with like other people <laughs> but uh-huh. to go out and watch is helpful too yeah and, and just to to always have expectations adjusted to some extent mm. and then i think you won't be disappointed yeah. but as an advanced dancer you can be welcoming to to beginners that are trying to do that and, mm-hmm. and talk to them and and i think just everyone realizing that saying no to mm-hmm. a dance is okay yeah and um not thinking that it's like personal like oh the person hates me right just realizing that a teacher works really hard to get to that level and uh they might be teaching eight hours a day as well right so when they go to a malonga, they might not want to be dancing with every single person. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. I, I think, you know, uh, they have a right to say no, just as a beginner has a right to say no to somebody. Mm-hmm. And being okay with that answer mm-hmm. um, for everyone involved, I think, actually creates an environment where beginners would be more accepted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just to not take it personally. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with all of your teaching experience, I mean, you've taught in so many different places, Jennifer, what have you learned from your own students? Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> well, I mean, I learned about the dance simply. I started teaching probably way before I had any business to teach. So, <laughs> so I, I, I really learned a deeper understanding of the dance through mm-hmm. teaching them because I would have to reflect upon what it was I was doing myself. I didn't really dance for like 10 years first and like had analyzed my movements. I more like did the movement and then mm-hmm. in teaching it, I would analyze what I was doing. Yeah. So uh, just a greater understanding of exactly what it was that I was doing so that then I could teach it even better mm-hmm. or explain it even clear, more clearly to other people. Yeah. Just when you start teaching, you, again, it gives you a different perspective. And it's mm-hmm. really neat how you can pick apart the dance from that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of more of a specific question related to teaching. How do you personally uh, introduce the concept of musicality to beginners? That's a good question. I generally don't introduce it so much in mm-hmm. the like first six-week series. Okay. Um, I mean, aside from like staying on the beat and whatnot, yeah. um, because I just feel like it's so difficult to be worrying about your body and yeah. the musicality yeah. at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, beginners are like, oh, my God, there's a person right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're right there. <laughs> and how do I move my body? It's funny yeah. because as soon as you put a dance floor underneath people's feet, then all of a sudden they forget how to walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't tell them they were, quote, unquote, dancing, they mm-hmm. probably would <laughs> walk more like how we want them to walk right mm-hmm. away. Yeah. Just do it at a slower pace <laughs> and <laughs> on the beat. <laughs> so I usually don't introduce it like to what I consider to be musicality, which mm-hmm. just being on the beat isn't musicality to me. Okay. That's just obvious to me. Yeah. I probably would introduce it like after that. And how, I mean, it would depend upon the group. Okay. And it's something that's so difficult to explain. So each individual is going mm. to hear it a different way mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a very good answer. No, but... no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, I want to hear 
you know, I love that all the, the variety of answers I'm getting and definitely this mm -hmm. is, this is interesting. I love, I love the variety of perspective. Yeah. I, I don't consider being on the beat musical because that's mm -hmm. a metronome. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I think that's a hard concept for people to get to some extent because mm -hmm. they're like, Oh, I'm on the beat. I'm musical. And I'm like, no musicality mm -hmm. is that you change the song that is currently playing and you would dance differently. Mm. You wouldn't dance exactly the same way. And so for me, that's like a really advanced concept. You have to have like control of the movement before mm -hmm. you can do that yeah, <laughs> because right. you're controlling the movement then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers to this concept and I love, mm -hmm. yeah, like, like what you just said, because you need to control your body to, to bring that music to life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you also are a DJ, Jennifer. How did, how did you become a DJ? I think it was organic. Mm -hmm. I'm using the word organic a That's lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> from <laughs> traveling to teach, I also started selling tango shoes that way as well nice. and organizing. <laughs> Basically, I've done everything in Argentine tango except for playing a tango orchestra, mm. um, <laughs> which I don't have any interest in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just from traveling to teach and then DJing here and there. I, I mean, I think it's great as a teacher that you have like a thorough understanding of the music. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it seems to make sense that you would flow into DJing. Mm -hmm. I definitely am a different DJ than um, other DJs. I feel like a lot of DJs really want to show like their personality mm -hmm. and that can be good and bad. It's like good because it's unique, mm -hmm. but then it can be bad because I feel like those DJs are often playing for themselves instead mm -hmm. of all the people that are at the Malonga. I see. And I feel like I'm not a very unique DJ. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm like my goal in following is to be able to dance with every single leader mm -hmm. and to adjust to them. So my like style, if you will, is like to be a chameleon. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that kind of follows me into DJing and that I try to DJ music that I think other people want to hear versus what I think is best. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm going to be biased to some extent because we all are. Mm -hmm. But my goal in DJing is not to be like, oh, look at this random tango song that you haven't heard in a really <laughs> long time. Mm -hmm. And aren't I unique? But rather, <laughs> these are all really danceable songs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, different dancers like different things. So that's kind of my perspective on mm -hmm. DJing. Yeah. Is there a particular tango song that you hate that might other people might love? Uh, well, it's, it's interesting because I've never really, this is sacrilegious to say, That's I've okay. never been a huge fan of Troilo. Okay. <laughs> Even though I know everybody loves Troilo. So mm -hmm. that's, for example, something that I'll DJ that I, doesn't really get my blood going okay. and doesn't get me saying, let me put on my dance shoes. I have to dance. But <laughs> obviously it does for most people. Mm -hmm. So um, I can't like say a specific song, okay. but um, just in general, Troilo doesn't do it for me. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, yeah. It, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like, I like that. It's just, you, you have to have your strong likes and dislikes. I like to hear about people's dislikes as well. That's, that's really yes. interesting. Good, good. Yes, as long as my dislikes are popular amongst <laughs> other people. <laughs> if everybody yeah. else hated it too, then I wouldn't play mm -hmm. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for me, there's this one Desarle song called Cara Sucia. 
Uh-huh. And it's it's not a bad song, but it just reminds me of of back in the eighties. There was a Mister Clean commercial that really annoyed the heck out of me. I mean, the jingle for that <laughs> really sounded like that one to Sarah. Oh, that's so, funny. And it ruined the song for me. Yes. Oh no, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you grew up in the eighties and you listen to that and think, you know, <laughs> I better yeah. not listen to it yeah. just in case uh, <laughs> it ruins the song for yeah, me. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, on, on this note, I think one interesting thing to note is that there was some music that I didn't like before I had traveled to Argentina mm-hmm. that now I liked after I tra- traveled mm. to, to Argentina. Mm-hmm. And that's um, tangos where the singer is really the protagonist. Okay. And um, like Gochenechi or something, mm-hmm. where it's just like so overwhelming that you're like, the singer is like totally overshadowing all the other instruments Mm -hmm. and in the united states i never really enjoyed that music because people here didn't grow up Mm -hmm. with that music they don't have that like it doesn't like strike their heart they don't necessarily know what the lyrics are saying but in when i first went to buenos aires and Mm i i danced with argentines to this music you could feel the soul of the singer through through their dance and then all of a sudden i loved the music Mm -hmm. if i danced with somebody that that dances that way yeah so uh, it gave me a, a new appreciation for some of the music I didn't particularly care for. Okay. And I didn't really find particularly danceable because it was just like so overpowering. Oh. And and then it completely changed it if you mm-hmm. have that partner that really, really feels that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because you spent, what, two years living in, in Buenos Aires? Yeah, when all was said and done. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. two years straight. I okay. think the longest I was there at one time was maybe nine months to a year. Wow. But two years and about like five years, I think I was there. Okay. So within a five-year period, I spent two years there. Okay, nice. So, you know, starting tango here in the U.S. and then going to Argentina to, to dance tango there, what was that experience like? Um, the tango part was fine. I mean, okay. going to Argentina was my first time traveling outside of the country. Okay. So uh, that aspect was hard being exposed to a place where I, you know, not everyone spoke English. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think learning foreign languages is so important. And I'm so sad that people in the United States don't do it more, yeah. and especially uh, like make it part of education at a young age. Right. It's so much harder to learn as an adult. Mm-hmm. So like that part I had like culture shock if you will like okay. just because I'm a very wordy person like it's it really stresses me out when I can't communicate clearly with people even mm. like in English if okay. people misunderstand something that I've done I, I use words to help <laughs> try <Sure>. to clarify <laughs> it's something that's really important to me and when I can't do that it's I well I, I actually am diagnosed with PTSD so it like literally oh. triggers me and I like okay. go into this fight or flight shock thing <laughs> Wow. That was definitely challenging in the very beginning when I everything was completely new. Mm-hmm. But I also wasn't going out tango dancing that much when I first went to Argentina okay. because I was stressed out about all this. Mm. So once I started going to tango, then then I found, you know, a groove and it, it felt more at home and um a lot of that went away and then I loved it. Mm. So it's kind of interesting that tango was actually the common thread that, mm. that helped me uh, adjust to mm. being in another country Nice for my first time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when we travel to other cities within the United States or other countries, when you, I think, you know, when you find a, 
a tango community to connect with that there's a sense of familiarity. It's, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I feel like mm-hmm. tango people are like my family. Just yeah. like I automatically know them mm-hmm. or I know like the essence of them. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jennifer, how do you keep challenging yourself? <laughs> <laughs> is that specific with tango or just in general? <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with tango. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if you know, I'm not dancing as much these days. Okay. So I, I, if I were to be dancing, I would probably want to, would want to challenge myself more through developing leading. Mm-hmm. I tend to be someone, like, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I'm very ambitious and I like to have like a goal and go after the goal. Yeah. And, and so for a lot of tango, it, it's horrible, but mm-hmm. I feel like kind of maxed out to some extent. Okay. Um, yeah. Not that I can't learn. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely can. But I, I've seen what is on the other side. Mm-hmm. And like, like you know, when you have that goal and you're like, oh, when I get to that goal, it will be great. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember going to Palma de Mallorca and teaching at a tango festival there along with Chicho and Juana mm-hmm. and nice. Fabian Salas and Sebastian Arce and Mariana Montes. That mm-hmm. was like the pinnacle of like what I wanted, right? Yes. But it was like super empty and mm-hmm. hollow <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I was like okay so I teaching at a festival with all these you know famous Argentine tango dancers and that mm-hmm. was cool but mm-hmm. it wasn't like oh now everything makes sense and everything is perfect yeah, yeah. it wasn't wasn't that at all mm-hmm. so I I've, I've tried to like <laughs> develop more of other things in my life more recently Good. so I'm an avid cyclist <laughs> that's great yeah I mean you're still hungry you know and yes, you gotta go exactly. after something yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. yeah I like what you said earlier. I mean, when you, you wanted to see how far you could go with with tango and with your life, it seems not just with tango, but with your life. You know, here you are, you know, going through hardcore cycling. And I think that's yes. That's great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So is that what you're working on these days? Is this a lot of you do a lot of racing or I'm not racing Mm -hmm. because I love my bike so much and I don't want it to get injured. Uh, Okay, fair enough. But but yeah, I mean, all the hours that I was logging in as dancing tango, Mm -hmm. I now am doing much more um, as a cyclist. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, cycling schedule and tango schedule don't really coincide because because I wake up at 5 in the morning now and go to bed by 9 p.m. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I end up getting thrown into tango world more just at the different tango festivals that I'm going to mm-hmm. and not on a regular basis so much anymore. Okay. But I miss tango life and, and tango mm-hmm. friends because I, I really feel like tango people uh, understand me a lot more and I understand them a lot mm-hmm. more than like other cyclists. Mm-hmm. So I like like that athleticism and like the movement mm-hmm. and that you can just, you don't have to rely on, an, on a partner. You can just, you know, or yeah. finding a partner that, that you like how they dance and their mm-hmm. musicality and everything. And that you find a connection. Mm-hmm. You can just go out and ride your bike. Nice. Uh, and, and yes, I do ride in like groups and stuff, but it's, it can be a lot more individual. Okay. So I like that accessibility, mm. but I don't feel cyclists understand like my mm. essence as much as tango people do. <laughs> okay. okay. <Yeah. laughs> if only that I could do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. well, well, speaking of that, is there, you know, when you started getting into, to, into cycling, was there anything about 
being a really experienced tango dancer that you feel gave you any kind of advantage as a singer? Oh yeah, for sure. Riding in groups. I, I, I well, f- first of all, just like handling your bike in general, especially as a follower, mm. like you're, you're paying attention to how your bike moves and like no road is perfect. You go over bumps and stuff. So yeah. being able to handle your bike and not fall and crash all the time mm-hmm. definitely is uh, tango skills have been helpful there, but even more so like riding in a group. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if very many tango people watch like the tour of France, mm-hmm. but you see this huge Peloton, which is just the big mass of cyclists. Uh-huh. Uh, they call it the Peloton. Okay. Uh, you might have like one or two people off the front or off the back, but mm-hmm. the big, group is called the peloton okay and you're riding literally right next to everybody and mm. you you're you're going fast you're going faster in that group because mm-hmm. of drafting so uh being able to uh not run into them is mm-hmm. directly transferable skill from tango oh nice i never <laughs> because, thought of that <laughs> yeah because, like because I'm, I'm basically like following them mm-hmm. i'm like you know because they're running over potholes and stuff so like their speed is changing a little bit or they're going up a hill or down a hill mm-hmm. or or like moving a little bit to go around some obstacle and i have to like safely do that where i won't take out a bunch of riders <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so I feel very very lucky to have um developed that skill uh because I was m- much more able to ride in mm-hmm. in a group right away okay. um which was which was nice. All right. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> so yeah, so even though you're not qu- spending quite as much time with Tango these days, are there any future Tango projects in the pipeline for you? Well, I don't know if you know that I'm kind of like the Tango shoe lady um these days. So um, I I think I probably have the most inventory of women's tango high heels on the West Coast. Oh, nice. Um, and then maybe at any given moment, I could have the most in the entire United States. It probably, like, changes a little bit okay. between me and a few other people on the East Coast where, when we, like, get inventory in. Mm. Um, maybe I have more at one moment, and then, and then, like, at another moment, I just sold a bunch, and they okay. just got inventory in. So they have the most. But anyways, I'm one of, like, the the top tango shoe people and okay. i was thinking about creating my own tango line okay. um, my own tango shoe so it would be like my label mm-hmm. that those plans got sidetracked a little bit with cycling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still a possibility in the future because you know I, I i well i love tango and i love having a tool that can help you do the best that you can do with mm-hmm. dancing and I feel like there's room for improvement still, even with the high-end brands that okay. we have access to currently. Nice. So so nice. I guess that would probably be the more Tango-esque development yeah. <laughs> that, I, that could be on the horizon. Excellent. Yeah, so for a lot of uh, listeners out there who are just starting to get really into Tango, because we have a lot of people who are just at that stage of getting addicted. I think you know, you remember what mm-hmm. that was like. I do, and I do. And they are thinking of buying their first pair of tango shoes what are some things you should really pay attention to when when buying a sure if you have the money to be able to buy a higher quality shoe right Mm -hmm. away i think it's worth it okay um because they're just so vastly superior to lower quality shoes as Mm -hmm. far as like stability goes and comfort so Mm -hmm. like being able to dance in them longer Mm -hmm. um so it is an investment but the heel placement is centered under the heel of your foot and then there's like memory foam or really good kinds of padding now in the ball of the foot Mm -hmm. so comfort is just absolutely uh there and is essential for dancing long term Mm -hmm. but 
You could also wear these shoes outside for the most part if they have a leather sole bottom, okay. which the vast majority do. You can wear them outside. So if if you for some reason decide that you don't have time for tango or, I don't know, swing is more your thing, mm-hmm. you could still wear them to like parties because they're beautiful shoes mm. and you didn't just waste the money. So that was probably one of the bigger mistakes I made when I started dancing tango. I was a student and I just mm. didn't have a lot of money. So I went to like some ballroom dance shoe store and bought some <laughs> character shoes mm-hmm. and they were so wobbly. They cost like 30 bucks because, mm. you know, I was 18. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like everyone was always complaining like, oh, you need to work on your balance. Your balance isn't that good. You need to work on it. And I'm like, it's the shoes. <laughs> and then I bought my first pair of legit tango shoes and they're like, oh, your balance is better you've been working on it and i'm like no it was the shoes all along (laughs) (laughs) like i was telling you (laughs) oh gosh yeah okay jennifer this has been a lot of fun so where do we find out about you online uh, I have a, a very uh, low-key website, uh, okay. tangojennifer.weebly.com. Okay. <laughs> As you can see, I've really made it super fancy with that .weebly.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it has like a, um, some information about me and mm-hmm. about where I'm selling shoes. And I have organized some other dancers from Argentina in the past too. So if yeah. by chance I do that in the future, it would be listed there as well. Okay. Um, and then also, I'm really good at email. So tangojennifer at gmail.com is my email and okay. a very easy way to reach me. All right. Great. So I'll have that in our show notes so people will be able to get a hold of you. And I'm sure people will be interested in those tango shoes. Perfect. That would be, that would be great. We can, and like you said on the website, we can find out uh, a link there where to, where to purchase shoes. Yes. Okay. Yes. The inventory is constantly changing. So okay. inevitably people email me because mm-hmm. um, everything's pretty much one of a kind. So. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Wonderful. Great. All right. Well, Jennifer, I know you're busy and thank you again so much for taking the thank time to, to be thank on the Thank you podcast. for having me. Yeah. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Okay. All right. You take care and good luck with all of your adventures. Thank you. You as well. Have a great day. You too. Wow, what an interesting story, Jennifer. Thank you for sharing it with us. And it really speaks to the healing power of tango. We've heard about that before in previous episodes, but it's really nice to hear how tango served as a form of therapy for Jennifer as she was getting through an incredibly difficult time in her life. So when it comes to troubles, big or small, tango can help emotionally. I also liked how Jennifer described a particular turning point in her dance, an aha moment, if you will, She mentioned how every partner can feel very different, but if we can cut through the distracting details of everyone's differences, all that noise, we'll find that in every step, such as the base across, there's a universal essence. And if we can sense that essence, we'll be able to dance better. Another really important point that I'd like to mention is that Jennifer wanted to see how far she could go with tango. Like she said, she's a very ambitious person, And it's great how Tango provided an outlet for her ambition. And when she fulfilled major Tango goals, she found that she was still hungry for more. And instead of wallowing in disillusionment, she went on to take up another big challenge. In her case, it was cycling. And I know many of you listening are working hard to reach your own major Tango goals. And when you do reach them, you may find yourself asking, is that it? How come I'm not happier right now? Don't freak out. Tango did not let you down. It's just that your ambition is not going to let you rest. You're still going to be hungry. 
The moment you achieve something great, you'll feel happy for a short time, but that rush or that high will start receding and you'll need to keep moving forward. Some of you may find more and more Tango goals to go after, but some of you might move on to other activities. So even though Tango may spark your ambition, following that ambition may ultimately lead to other places, and that's okay. So thank you again, Jennifer, for sharing your story and your insights. Best of luck to you. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I really appreciate your support. I've been getting some very kind messages from Tangueros from all over. Your kindness and support is awesome. It truly means a lot. And I really do hope these stories and anecdotes from the guests have been encouraging to you. And if you're enjoying the show, this is a part where I ask you to head on over to iTunes or whichever podcasting platform you're using. Hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star rating, or hit whatever button that signals that you like what you're hearing, because I know a lot of you out there like pushing buttons. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. New episodes appear every Monday to help you get through the week. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.